And here we go. Um, it was truly a masterpiece. I don't know about all that. Ugh, absolutely the worst movie ever. Hands down, bar none, the greatest action spectacular ever. Well, uh, the other one just stuck them up. Are you asking me? I promise I'm not going to sing this time around. Welcome to the 100th episode of the Don't Be Crazy podcast. I'm Justin Cavender. With me as always, Mr. Zachary Rancourt. Here we discuss and dissect what makes a film absolutely amazing or just pure rubbish. And we've done that 99 times. And this is now the 100th time. And all that we ask of each other is don't be crazy. Don't be crazy, Zach. Consider this a divorce. Dude, we ain't even married yet. <laughs> well, consider it a pre-divorce. <laughs> a pre-commitment to commit to divorce. There you go. Well, I got Jenna a pre-commitment ring. <laughs> uh, Justin, so good to hear your voice again. I miss it. I want I want to see the face with that voice, but um, you know, it was good to, it was good to have a little reprieve uh last week. That was awesome. Mhm. Yeah. I had a but, good um, time. Me too. Thank you for being such a hospitable host and showing me around and making me laugh and laugh and laugh. You are welcome. You I laugh vote. a lot. You make me laugh a lot. No. I know. I felt bad. I, I, I so wanted that arcade bar to be open because I was excited. I'm like, oh, Justin will like this. He'll be like, check the sweet out or check the shit out. And he'll do like a Mortal Kombat finisher with his eyes closed. Yeah, right. <laughs> and I'm like, and I, I didn't get I to do any know. of that. It was I a know. Bust. I know. I'm sorry. I can't control the weather. I just sell the best umbrella. Oh, yeah. There you go. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but uh, yeah, man, I'm good. Uh, this week has been uh, flying by. I got a backpacking trip coming up this weekend, so I'm excited. But uh, how are you? I'm good. I'm warm. I'm hot. I uh, I have problems. <laughs> <laughs> it's neither here nor there. I got... Uh, I'm not going to complain about it. I always have no complaints, so I will continue that tradition. No complaints. All is Suck, well. Sucks that it's that hot, though. Yeah, it's uh, it's warming up. I started running. <laughs> nice. Oh my gosh, yeah. I'm, I'm excited, uh, man. Doing the fitness. I've been running every morning. I, then I when I come back, I do a bunch of sit-ups. And I do 50 sit-ups. I do like 10, then I stop, then I do 10, then I stop, then I do 10, you know. Put a dollar yeah. in a car, put a dollar in a car. And then I, uh, <laughs> then I run up the steps up and down. But it's driving Rizzo crazy because she runs up with me and then she runs down with me and she runs up with me. She's like, what are you doing, Dad? This is the worst. Uh, yeah. But then so, you, just, you just go, he's good. He's good. He's good. He's good. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. Well, good for you, man. I'm super excited. I love when people start a fitness routine. So if you have any questions, I can help you out. But obviously, you know how to run. So I know how to is, check uh, the YouTube. Yeah. How man. to get fit. How to exercise. How to properly do a sit-up. How to properly do a push-up. <laughs> but, oh that's another thing i'm not i'm not eating after seven o'clock at night too that's another thing i'm doing that's really good which, man which is a which is hard i get a little snacky around like 11 o'clock and i just gotta like slap my wrist and say no just eat your pillow i don't know yeah. just eat just eat the air <laughs> yeah i need to start going to bed earlier because by like 12 31 o'clock i'm fucking starving <laughs> yeah so oh well wow. That's good. I'm excited to see you on your journey. I will do the journey with you. I just need to lose 15 pounds. 15 LBS. Nope. No kilos. No. <laughs> then I'll be good. No. <laughs> no kilos. Well, excellent. Two keys. I've been working on these guys for three months. <laughs> anyway, what have you been uh, watching? 
Yeah, so, um, <clears throat> pardon me. I, uh, you and I watched Army of the Dead together. Um, you know, I'll share my thoughts on it. I thought it was it, it was okay. It was a popcorn flick. I didn't absolutely love it. I didn't absolutely hate it, but I was pretty bored. It was so fucking long, and I wish it wasn't. But it sounds like they're trying to do a lot of spinoffs from it, and Zack Snyder had a lot of um, interesting backstory behind it like there were robot zombies and there were aliens that you know it was a blink and you'll you'll miss it kind of thing so really interesting in that aspect but all in all i was just pretty bored with the movie uh i watched i love you man um you and i both watched that as well so funny i love that movie uh we well i watched uh ted lasso i started watching ted lasso on the airplane so i watched about four episodes and it's a really good show i enjoy it it's just very heartwarming and then I watched it last night, the new version of it. Um, really love that one a lot. And it just they do a very good job of capturing the childhood innocence that uh, Stephen King captures in the book. And then I watched Blade 2 after we did our Blade episode. I, I needed more Blade in my life, more Wesley Snipes. And I watched Blade 2. Um, I don't I didn't like it as much as I remembered. Blade 1 is by far better, but uh, I do like the creatures in Blade 2. It's they're they're pretty, pretty cool. But uh, that's all I watched, Justin. What did you watch? Yeah, I feel like Blade 2 is like a, there's so many like double crossing and triple crossing and everyone's got all these things that they're doing on the side. And uh, I I remember not liking that. Like, yeah, who do you trust it's and, and I see what they were going for. Uh, you know, Ron Perlman was really good in it. But the whole excuse me, the whole band of. Uh, the vampire hunter guys were kind of weird and it just didn't really jive well with me. I don't know. It was, it was just, it wasn't as good as I thought it would be. Yeah. Oh, well, what can you do? Uh, I watched the same things as you army dead. I love you, man. Uh, we started point break. I finished it. And then I watched the hateful eight today whilst working. I had it on. <laughs> I wasn't really watching it, but it was on. And I think it's so weird that that and Django are like my go-to background <laughs> noise. It's so ridiculous. They're they're hardly. It's like it's hard to make an argument that they're rewatchable. Most people only watch those movies once or twice. But I, fuck, I swear to God, I've seen each one probably like a dozen times now, maybe more. It's a little weird. <laughs> I think because they're just so long and they take me through a portion of my day. You know, it's like three hours later. You know, I've I've made quite a dent in my workload. So. Mm-hmm. Um, that's Do the way it was with casino. Do you like stew? <laughs> yeah, Bob. <laughs> Senior Bob. Senior Bob. Oh, jeez. So, yeah. Uh, shout out to my dad. Today's his birthday. Hey, happy birthday. 69 years old. Nice. Nice. I think my math is right. <laughs> Do you yeah. have do you have like a birthday movie that you you like to watch? Not necessarily on your birthday, but at least, you know, around your birthday. I don't think so. I would probably say mine. The default answer for me is always Clue, but I watch Clue all the damn time. But it's probably like almost famous. So that's why I was glad we did it for the podcast. I feel like for you, it would be, you know, like Starship Troopers or something. But, or you Robocop. Know, I, I tend to be with people on my birthday, so I don't really watch any movies. Per se. I'm sorry. I don't have any friends, Justin. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just me and my figurines. <laughs> no, I you know. I mean, just thinking about it. I mean, yeah. I'm never really alone. On my, I was alone one time on my birthday and it was when I was just going through my I, my wife and I just separated and I was so lonely. I baked my own cake. I ate it by myself and I was miserable. Aww. I was so sad. And uh, actually today 
my goodness, it would have been 21 years that we've been together today as well. What yeah. a fun little day, May 26th. Put that on your calendar. Um, but yeah, no, no birthday movies. So anyway, are you ready to get on with the hundredth episode, Justin? You walk. I I haven't been so sure of anything in my life that you walk. So I don't know what that means. Oh shit! It's Walter. Remember when he's like, he's like, this guy walks. <laughs> you know when they go and confront the Big Lebowski. Oh yeah. I haven't yeah, been so yeah. sure about anything in my life. That's right. I, I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> and he picks him up and just drops. <laughs> Calls him like a gold bricker or whatever. Yeah. yeah, they use gold bricker a bunch of times in that movie because the Malibu sheriff calls him a gold bricker too. Right. They actually use a couple of lines. Uh, like he, uh, at the very beginning when he says, "This is what happens." Yeah. Uh, and then that's what Larry. That's what Walter says when he's screaming at. Uh, at uh, Larry, this yeah. is what happens, Larry. Do you see what happens? <laughs> um, and then there was one other line that I remember too, thinking, "Man, how many times do they they say this line?" I forget what it is now. Maybe this aggression will not stand. George well, there's Bush that. Yeah, too. George Bush says that. Uh, but yeah, there's a couple of things that they say a few times that I mm-hmm. I was surprised that I heard the same dialogue recycled. Yeah, like a callback. But- yeah, yeah. It's, it's very interesting, and I do I do want to discuss that later. But yeah, what movie are you are we doing? <laughs> we oh, oh yeah, so we're doing the Big Lebowski from 1998. Uh, this movie actually came out. Uh, was it March 8th when it came out? Uh, it says right? March 8th. Yeah. Okay. For some reason I thought it was March 6th, but that's okay. I'm not going to worry about. It. Um, it was my last day of school in high school. I graduated the day that this movie came out, and I remember being excited about that. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, dang. Yeah, it should be March 6th. So that is wrong. March 6th is a Friday. I knew that that was incorrect. Uh, 8th is a Sunday. So there's no way it came out on March 8th. It came out on March 6th. Mark it down. You think I'm fucking around Market Zero? <laughs> We're going to change that. Um, anyway, uh, what are we doing? The Big Lebowski is directed by Joel and Ethel Cohen. Joe and Ethan Cohen, rather. Uh, you might know them from Fargo, which... I can't believe we haven't done on this show. We did <laughs> that other one for some reason. It was your choice, Raising Arizona. That was my choice? Raising yeah. Arizona? No yeah. way I would choose that movie. I- I'd never seen it before. And you said you said you watched it and you liked it. And I, and I was like, cool. Yeah, let's do it then. Oh, my God. So we've already done <laughs> two Coen Brothers films. What I would have much rather preferred Fargo, but that's okay. Um, oh, brother, where art thou? Inside Lewin Davis. No Country for Old Men and True Grit. Film was written by the Coen brothers, and the film stars Jeff Bridges, John Goodman, Julianne Moore, Steve Buscemi, David Huddleston, Philip Seymour Hoffman, and Tara Reid. Ooh. And the critical reception. Are you ready for this? Have you seen this? You heard about this? (laughs) The movie has a whopping 83% on the old Rotten Tomato meter there, and the audience score is actually 93%. So the the audience prefers this movie much more than the critics. Uh, Peter Bradshaw from The Guardian says, one of a kind. I agree. One of a kind. While it is similar aesthetically to a lot of the Coen Brothers films and just with its quirkiness, I do think that it is actually one of a kind. There's a lot of familiarity, but that is mainly because of just how the Coen Brothers are. But I do believe that this is a standout. Uh, as with all their films, I think it's pretty safe to say. Um, John Holloman from St. Louis Post Dispatch says, I'll just say this The Big Lebowski is an excellent movie and damn funny. And you know what he means business is because he swore. 
<laughs> These guys mean businesses. <laughs> <laughs> Glad you got that. Oh, yeah. uh, then there's well, I found a one negative review from Brian D. Johnson, who from McLean's Magazine says, "What made Fargo work, aside from the original kitsch, was a solid story and believable characters worth caring about. The Big Lebowski has neither." Ooh, yeah. Jeez, he must have had a really shitty dinner right before he saw this or something. Yeah. Some people just, uh, they don't know how to enjoy motion picture shows. What can you do? Either way, the budget was a whopping $15 million. Opening weekend, it saw $5.5 million, and it grossed the United States at $18 million. And then worldwide, you're looking at $46.7 million. Wow. And again, that is March 6th, 1998. Opened the same day. As what did I say? The Fugitive sequel. What was that movie called? Oh yeah, U.S. Um, Marshals. U.S. Marshals. Yeah, <laughs> I almost said American Witness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, so I saw both movies. I, I was actually a good U.S. citizen, and I bought two <laughs> tickets. I bought one for for Big Lebowski, and then when it was over, we went and watched uh, U.S. Marshals. Fascinating. I'll uh, I'll ask you about that after I read the trivia and synopsis as we sure. as we normally do. One thing I will say though, you know, for as big of as big as this movie is, it only grossed 18 million in the US, which is 3 million over their budget. So, for all intents and purposes, it wasn't that successful of a film. So, this is definitely something that wasn't well received when it first came out. Right. Yeah, that's very odd. I mean, they got, you know, 5 of your dollars, so they still had to yeah. charge you the whole $5. I, you know, I did go to the, it was the Twilight show. I don't know if you remember this, but there was a time where the newspaper would have a time for a movie that was in like these little uh, parentheses. Mm-hmm. And and that was like the little secret show, like the Twilight Ooh. show. And it was a little bit cheaper. Ooh. Save like a dollar cheaper? Money. It's like happy hour almost, but for motion picture shows. Ooh. That makes me Twilight happy. Show. Yeah, I saw the movie, the Final Fantasy movie for three bucks. Wow. At the Twilight Show. And that was, and, and, Zachary, I even got the the, the original Spider-Man teaser that had the helicopter stuck in the web between the Twin Towers. Do you remember oh, that? Oh, wow. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. How cool is that? That I was really that. cool. Damn, that was a long time ago. It really was. I made you myself, but that's okay. <laughs> saw it with Loughlin Lopez. I saw this movie with Brian Gregory and Gene Dean. Gene Dean. Yeah. I feel like you've said their name before. Both. Yeah. It's Brian Gregory and I used to go to the movies every Friday after school. It was like our tradition. We, we, we'd pack up our shit and we'd go down the hill, which was because we're in the high desert, drove down to low desert, go to Palm Springs, and we'd take in a movie, eat some dinner there, and then head on back. But we did it every single Friday. Wow. Crazy, right? I Sounds remember like a fun this Friday. One. It was so fun. And this one lady, she, I remember when the ticket prices went up, they used to be like a... They were four fifty, and then all of a sudden it was five bucks. And I was like, I was like, man, it used to be four fifty. And she's like, well, it's always been five. I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> and uh, I was like, no way. She's like, I was like, lady, I come here every week, and it's just now become five bucks. And she's like, well, if you come here every week, you would know it was five dollars. No <laughs> joke, Zach. So I kept, I kept all of my ticket stubs because I made, I wanted to make a lay out of it for my graduation, yeah. and uh, which I did. And so I was like, this fucking lady. So then I went home the next week. I brought a stack of stubs and I was like, lady, <laughs> boom, I'm here every single week. 
Bam, $5. This was last week. I done told you. And uh, she was laughing at me. She was like, okay, okay, okay. I got receipts. Yeah. Oh, it was so funny. I mean, just 18-year-old Justin being a a total douchebag, but it was funny. I mean, it was all in good fun. I wasn't like a Karen or anything. It it was, we were laughing with each other as we were disputing. (laughs) That's pretty rad. I I really adore, I, I adore that. Isn't that why, and correct me if I'm wrong, you have like a steel trap for memory, but uh, I remember that you one time told me that you remembered when movies released because you had the stubs, correct? Like yeah, you that was usually I mean, kept was, the stubs and you just remembered them. Yeah. So usually if I read it, then I remember it. That's kind of mm-hmm. how I am. Yeah. Not. I mean, I, I don't want to say I have a photographic memory. I'm more like when, you know, when you use a copier and it starts to, the, the ribbon starts to run out and it's like pretty faded, but. You, mm-hmm. you get away with it. You're like, ah, fuck it. I'll just deal with it. That's yeah. kind of what my memory is like. <laughs> I'm sort of like a, a ribbon that needs to be changed out of a printer. Or or I got that line going right down the middle. So I, it's it's hard to read sometimes. But if I if I think hard enough, I'll remember what it said. Yeah. Let me see the chairs again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, totally. So that's where I'm see at. see what some of these new copiers do. <laughs> <laughs> All right, get out. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent, man. Yeah, that's great. I used to collect movie stubs a long, long time ago, but uh, I got rid of them just because I don't like to collect clutter because my family, they like to hoard things and I don't want to do that. But yeah, I wish I, got, I had a I memory like you. Mine. No, it's it's a curse. I tossed all mine after my graduation. I literally just wanted them for the lay. And then once I was done with that, then they win the garbage. Oh, well, that's pretty badass. Yeah, not gonna lie. So. All right, you want to hear some amazing trivia? And this was really hard to find, you know, to limit it because there literally was like 10 pages of trivia that you could read and it's uh, pretty neat, but yeah. Um, So in an interview with Rolling Stone magazine, John Goodman stated that the dude referring to the Big Lebowski as a human paraquat was one of the only improvised lines to make it into the final film. Virtually every other line, including every man and dude was scripted. And that doesn't surprise me. The Coen brothers are very meticulous directors. Uh, there are stories about working on their film sets that uh, people have, have have been noted as saying, you know, it's it's very easy because they are so in tune to what they want. Um, kind of like Paul Thomas Anderson in a certain sense. But yeah, that doesn't surprise me one bit. So, you know, any any type of mistake that might have been in the script or, or how it sounded, I feel like was intentional because the Coen brothers are such good writers. So. A lot of the dude's clothes in the movie were Jeff Bridges' own clothes, including his jelly sandals, which he still owns and uses to this day. That's pretty cool. Use your own shit. I would bring my my Eagles Flying Club shirt, and that's what I would wear all the time on on the movie set. (laughs) I don't think you can. Yeah, I can. I think think it's like from another movie. Jesus Christ, Justin, I only have three (laughs) days. In, yeah. in the clean version for television broadcast, ooh, this one's good. The famous line, this is what happens when you fuck a stranger in the ass, was changed to, this is what happens when you find a stranger in the Alps. It's frequently cited as one of the most creative edits made for a film to be aired on television. That's pretty good. <laughs> like uh, Die Hard with the UPK, Mr. Falcon or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> I his name was Hans. <laughs> he should he should have said Mother Trucker or something, or Mister Trucker or something like that. Yeah, I think in, I think in Die Hard Two, it's it's Yippee Ki Yay, Mister Falcon. I don't remember anymore. Yippee Ki Yay, Mister Falcon. 
<laughs> <It's> one, <laughs> one of those. One of them diehards. Oh, boy. The F word, or a variation of it, was used 292 times, which is actually more than the movie Scarface. Did you know that, Justin? I did not know. This is a lot. Uh, the word dude is used 161 times in the movie. It is spoken 160 times and seen once in the text in the credits for Gutter Balls, the second dream sequence. That's a lot of dudes. Finally, throughout the movie, Donnie consistently rolls strikes. In his final bowling scene, Donnie rolls a spare, something that obviously confuses him from his facial expression. This is a possible hint that something bad will occur to him, and after leaving the bowling alley, he suffers a fatal heart attack during the Nihilus fight scene. Right after the after bowling the spare, Donnie can also be seen sitting with the dude and Walter feeling his arm. Another hint of the oncoming fate. And that is sad. So uh, I will give a synopsis for anybody who has not seen The Big Lebowski. You're crazy if you haven't. It is a, a GD classic. But here we go. In the early 1990s, Los Angeles slacker Jeffrey the Dude Lebowski is assaulted in his home by two enforcers for porn kingpin Jackie Treehorn. They demand money owed by the wife of a different Jeffrey Lebowski. The goons realize they have the wrong man and leave, but not before one of them urinates on the dude's favorite rug. On the advice of his bowling partners, Walter Sobchak, a Vietnam veteran, and Donnie Karabatsis, uh, the dude visits the other Lebowski, a wealthy paraplegic philanthropist, demanding compensation for the rug. The big Lebowski refuses the dude's demand, and on leaving, the dude cleverly steals a similar rug from Lebowski's mansion. He also meets Bunny, Lebowski's trophy wife. He notices Bunny's toes, painted with green nail polish. Later, the dude learns Bunny has been kidnapped. The Big Lebowski hires him to deliver ransom money and learn whether the kidnappers are the same thugs who desecrated his rug. The dude speculates to Walter and Donnie that Bunny staged the kidnapping to pay off her debts. Walter is convinced of the theory. That night, a different pair of thugs accost the dude and take his replacement rug. The kidnapping... Uh, kidnappers arrange to collect the ransom convinced that bunny kidnapped herself walter concocts a scheme to keep the briefcase with the ransom money by substituting with a ringer full of laundry the whites the dude watches as walter delivers the laundry leaving the other briefcase in the car the dude later finds his car stolen the big lebowski's daughter maud calls the dude explaining her people took the replacement rug and invites him to visit her she reveals Bunny is one of Treehorn's actresses. Maude agrees that Bunny staged her abduction and asks the dude to help recover the money that her father withdrew from the family's personal foundation. Later, the Big Lebowski confronts the dude for failing to deliver the ransom, showing him a severed toe with green nail polish. Three German nihilists threaten the dude, identifying themselves as the kidnappers. Maude, however, says they are Bunny's friends. The dude's car, minus the briefcase, is recovered by police. Inside, the dude finds the homework of high school student Larry Sellers. Walter and the dude confront Larry at his father's home, but when he is unresponsive, Walter bashes a new sports car parked outside, thinking the teen had used the money to buy the car. The car's actual owner, a neighbor living next door, proceeds to bash the dude's car, mistaking it for Walter's, in retaliation. The, the dude is brought in before Jackie Treehorn, who drugs him, awaking in police custody. He is assaulted by the police chief and thrown out of Malibu. After being kicked out of a cab, the dude is left standing in the street. Bunny speeds by. The camera reveals she has all of her toes. The dude returns home, finding it ransacked. He is told by Maude that her father has no money of his own. The family fortune belonged to her late mother, who left none. The dude works out the entire scheme. After Bunny left town, her nihilist friends faked her kidnapping to extort money from her husband. Lebowski, who hated his wife, withdrew the ransom from the family trust, but kept the money, giving the dude a briefcase containing phone books. Walter and the dude confront the Big Lebowski, who refuses to admit responsibility. 
Walter, believing Lebowski is faking his paralysis, throws him from his wheelchair, leaving him on the floor. The dude and his friends return to the bowling alley, and they are confronted by the Nihilists, who have set fire to the dude's car and are demanding the ransom money. Learning there never was any money, the Nihilists decide to rob them, but Walter violently fends them off. During the scuffle, Donnie suffers a heart attack and dies. While preparing to scatter Donnie's ashes, Walter delivers a eulogy that slightly mixes with a diatribe about Vietnam. Unmindful of the blowing wind, he scatters Donnie's ashes over himself and the dude. The dude angrily chastises Walter for his eulogy, and Walter apologizes. Walter and the dude go bowling. End of the movie. The Big Lebowski. So, Justin, when you first saw this movie on March 8th, uh, was it March 8th that you saw it on opening night? It was March 6th, Zach. I corrected it. Oh, okay, March 6th. Uh, What did you think about it? And, you know, have your thoughts changed? And how many times total do you think you've seen this movie? Uh, So the first time I saw it, I absolutely loved it. I actually saw it twice in the theater because I enjoyed it so much. Oh, shit. Uh, Yeah, I went on and saw it with my other buddy, Justin Burnett, uh, in Redlands, of all places. I don't know what we were doing there, but um, yeah. So I saw it twice in the theater, uh, and I loved it. Absolutely freaking loved it. But I was on a pretty big Coen Brothers high after uh, Fargo. Uh, Fargo is like my favorite movie ever. And so when I saw this, I was expecting weird and uh, I got it. So I'm, I was I was on board and I've, I've seen this movie well over a dozen times. It's, it's one of those uh, watch it every year kind of movies, at least, you know, and it came out over 20 years ago. So I've, <laughs> yeah. I've watched it quite a bit. <laughs> right on. Yeah. Um... It's, you know, I, I don't have a count for how many times I've seen it. I, I If I had a guess, I would say at least a baker's dozen. Uh, but I don't remember the first time I saw it. I think it was one of those movies that, you know, a lot of people talked about and they would quote it. And I just was like, yeah, 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 I know, I know what you're talking about. And secretly, I had no fucking clue what they were talking about. So then I watched it and I liked it, but I wasn't enamored by it. And then as the years went on, I picked it up more and more and I, I absolutely adore this film. It's one of my favorites ever. And um, yeah, it is such a classic to me. I never saw it in theaters, though. I'm not as cool as you. I didn't have friends when I was growing I'm up, older. So. <laughs> I'm <laughs> yeah. unfortunate. Yeah. You know, and so one of the big things, obviously, in this film that, uh, I, that I specifically remember is it came out around the time Kingpin came out. So for the longest time, I thought Kingpin and the Big Lebowski, I like confused them for the same movie because they both dealt with bowling. Uh, I was clearly wrong, but uh, are you a fan of bowling? You know, I personally can only play maybe about one game before I get bored out of my mind. <laughs> also, I I personally think that bowling alleys are disgusting. You know, you, you share shoes, you touch everyone's balls, and just like the general upkeep of all these alleys is pretty nasty. And I'm sorry if anybody loves bowling out there, but I don't know, man. I just get grossed out. What are your thoughts on this? Uh. Yeah, so I, I enjoy. Well, at least I did. I was on a bowling league. <laughs> uh, I was in this Vegas league, and Damn. we actually did pretty well. <laughs> we won a lot of money, and which I, I, one of the guys on our team, he was like this total scratch bowler, and he could he could easily bowl like two thirty on a bad day, and so he was incredible. And then uh, me and his wife, we were we were like one fifty average, but when we lit up, we could break two hundred, no problem. And then we had another person named Donna on our team, and she was the worst. And a good day for her was breaking 100. But if she lit up and did like, you know, 130 or something like that, uh, with with her handicap uh, pins, we would just 
fucking win every week. So we we had the right formula. Two two average bowlers, one terrible bowler, and one amazing bowler is going to get you <laughs> the cup at the end of the season, man. And uh, we went to Vegas. I made a lot of money. In fact, I le- I didn't think we were going to win, and so I left. And then someone had to. They brought me three hundred bucks like the next week. Like, hey, this is yours. I'm like, holy shit. Damn, awesome. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, I had no idea. I was like, holy smokes. And that was just my cut. So that was pretty cool. Um, but but I haven't bowled in a long time, man. But I have my own ball. I have I have a skull ball that was like in um your movie Mystery Men. Like, Mystery Men. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I have a skull ball and uh I did I did pretty well. I, I had fun, but I'm like you, I, I'm kind of germy, so I actually had my own shoes and so I didn't have to wear anybody else's. And um, I just needed a hobby. That's the only reason why I really started doing it. It was hot. It's a desert. It's hot. I needed something to do. And I mm-hmm. met a lot of interesting people uh, whilst bowling. I didn't. I didn't go in knowing anybody. And um, I made a lot of interesting uh, folks. Uh, two of which have since left this earth, and I'm kind of sad about that. Oh. But but um, yeah, it was it was good times. I, I wouldn't probably go bowling right now unless. Someone was just like hell bent on bowling and it was they were going to die unless they went. But <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm with you. It's pretty gross sticking your your hands in these holes that other people have done. And then <laughs> what's really funny is people will just go bowl and then they'll walk up to their food and just like start eating their yeah. nachos or oh, whatever. God. And licking their I'm fingers. Like, yeah, I'm like, I don't know about all that. But uh, if you just watch, if you people watch at a bowling alley, you will just see germs oh. passing, man. It's uh, patient zero. Uh, probably just left the bowling alley. <laughs> God. They should have done Army of the Dead at the bowling alley. See, yeah. <laughs> not Vegas. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, it's it's gross, man. My and my fingers always hurt from the alley balls. Um, uh, yeah, I, I just I can't get beyond it. Um, I liked it when I was a kid, but yeah, I had you know I had a birthday party at a bowling alley once, and I remember we ate like Cheeto puffs. Like we just go bowl and grab some slices of pizza and some Cheetos puffs. So <laughs> yeah, it's pretty, pretty dicey, pretty nasty, but, man. Like uh, we had a lot of fun though. Like if, if I bowled a strike, then I would do. I wouldn't necessarily do the Jesus, the Jesus dance, but I would kick my leg up behind me and point at somebody. Uh, I would do that. Um, <laughs> If if we missed a spare, we'd be like, "Oh, someone called nine one one because you just been robbed." We'd say <laughs> stuff like that. Uh, it was a it was a lot of fun. I had a blast, and uh, I'm glad that I I did it. I my parents thought I was crazy, but I'm glad that uh, I, I I went and I enjoyed myself. Last time I went bowling was was at the that bowling alley in West Seattle that you said has since closed. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I think it's just called West Seattle Bowl, but you know there it you might go. not be closed. But uh, but I, my friend who did like league bowling there, he said it was closing. So, um, and that might have been temporary because of COVID. But who knows? Um, I did a bowling class in community college, and I did really well. We it, it was only a twelve week class, and so we only went once a week. So essentially, I had eleven lessons, right? And then on the twelfth week, we bowled for score. And Justin, I bowled like a two. 40 or something like that. I was blown away. I was having the best game I've ever played in my life. And I, I, I don't know, it was insane. And it was all because of the method that our, our, our coach taught us, uh, like where you have to throw the ball and, and how you line it up. I wasn't putting any spin on it or anything. So I'm sure I just got really lucky, but uh, it was pretty fun actually for, for that, you know, but, um, but bowling man brings people together. So 
you know, this movie, it does something really incredibly interesting with its style. It shapes it around classic detective noir films of the past. You know, the 50s, the Maltese Falcon, the Big Sleep, which is kind of loosely based off of all that kind of stuff. Did you realize this film was a neo-noir when you first saw it? Um, and then are you a fan of noirs? Did it enhance this film for you at all? You know, I, I never considered this movie to be a neo-noir. Um, people can tell me that it is, but I, I just don't see it. And uh, I, people can tell me all day long that it's a neo-noir, but I, I just look at it as a comedy. Um, I, I get that there is a mystery to be solved, uh, but the mystery is pretty much solved in the first like 18 goddamn minutes. Like the dude's like, dude, come on. She kidnapped herself. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, well, I'll buy that. And just by him being convinced about that, uh, the, there's no danger for bunny. Like at any moment in this movie, I never felt a nervousness for her. I was convinced that she's fine. And even when the toe shows up, uh, you know, Walter didn't believe it. So I didn't believe it. I was like, yeah, it's kind of dark. I don't think they'll go that route. And, uh, I never, I never thought, I never really thought about it again. Yeah. This mystery is going on, but it's not about solving the mystery. It's just these guys hanging out and bowling (laughs) and disagreeing (laughs) with each other. And, and typically in a noir, the, 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 the hero will, we'll say hero is usually like a flawed character. And, while I see that someone can argue that the dude is flawed, I really don't think he is. I think he's stuck in his time, but he's such a good person. Like he has a genuine—he's uh, a—he's a genuine human being for one, which is more than most people, I would say. Uh, he has a—he uh, cares for other people's well-being. Uh, you know, he wants everyone to have a good time and enjoy themselves. Uh, I mean, the, the whole incident with Smokey is a perfect example for that. He's like, dude, come on, relax. It's, it's no big deal. Um, even his approach to everything is just so like laid back and mellow. And I mean, I wish I was as cool and calm as Jeffrey Lebowski was. So, I mean, I don't, I don't see it. Uh, others can, can, can certainly agree that it is a neo-noir, but for me, it's just a comedy. Right. You know, and I, I almost think it's more of a satire, but um, how I've always kind of looked at it was a neo-noir. But I mean, after, you know, the past couple of years, as I've watched it, I've thought of it more as a satire to the whole noir style. Kind of like how you were saying where, you know, the character might have demons in their past or they might be a flawed main character. Um, Lebowski doesn't really or the dude doesn't really have any types of demons necessarily. He's not stuck in his in his past and that doesn't come to fruition. Well, he's definitely he, stuck in like, you know, the sixties, you know, he's sure. just smoking weed and everything, but he's not, <laughs> yeah. he's not, uh, he, he's definitely not battling. That's not a problem yeah. for him. Exactly. You know, yeah. the world is still moving around him and he's okay with that. Yeah. And if anything, it, it enhances his situations. Cause I mean, you know, he's the one that is always saying, he's like, no, I'm just going to take the 20,000. That's a really good deal. And right. his friend Walter fucks it up and is like, no, dude, we're going to do this. He's like, what are you doing, Walter? You know, <laughs> they're calling the cops, <laughs> like yeah. all, all that shit put the piece away. So it's, it's everybody he surrounds himself with. He's that, you know, that calm, cool, collected guy who's just, just chilling. And, uh, he doesn't necessarily have to, to act like that. You know, like any, any characters around most detectives in a noir are very, very big characters. So like his landlord, uh, 
you know, he's a he's a goofy, weird, nice guy. But if this were a noir film, let's say that landlord's like, you know, the detective's chief or sergeant or whatever, you know, he'd be like an asshole in it because that's just how they do it. So I, I think it's more satirical than it is a, a neo-noir, but I would almost call it something like stoner noir, like um, <laughs> Pine- Pine- Pineapple Express is, is, is one of those or like uh, 30 minutes or less, both kind of like stoner noir films. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so. I'm not typically like a stoner loving movie, but he's the only one that's really smoking weed and he's not like tripping out to the point where he's like, dude, totally, you know, (laughs) like, I mean, I love dude, where's my car, which is (laughs) saying a lot because I fucking hate like stoner movies, but fucking that movie makes me laugh so goddamn much. (laughs) The continuum transfunctioner. Oh my God. What about the universe? Screw the universe. universe. I fucking love that movie so much. It is it's funny. Ridiculous. But yeah, I'm, I'm I again, I, I tried watching YouTube videos, people trying to explain to me uh, the big Lebowski. And there are some very well thought out arguments about the movie. Right. Uh, but for me, it's just it might as well be dude. Where's my car? I just think it's a funny fucking movie. And I laugh my ass off. I, I have <laughs> I have been unable to deep dive into uh, the Coen brothers psyche and what they are trying to tell us in their movies. Uh, same with, same with Fargo. That's a movie that I can quote all goddamn day, but to me, <laughs> it might as well, I'm, it, it's like a fucking just straight up real time documentary in Brainerd and, and Fargo. Like that's to me, that's what the people are like. I knew a girl uh, from, from Fargo. Well, she actually moved to Fargo when she was like 13. So she picked up mm-hmm. the accent pretty easily while she was still growing up and just, I swear to God, when she when that movie came out, she was so livid because everyone's like, "Oh my God, dude, it's like Fargo, just like in the movie." And I'm He's like, funny, so I'm like real funny looking." Yeah, I'm like, "Just say something, just talk to me, whatever, just say the punch, please." I don't care. I want to hear your accent. And uh, you know, I, I adore her to this day. We're, we're still really good friends, and um, fucking cracks me up, especially when she's like, "No," oh, and and she does it in her little Minnesota accent and everything. It fucking cracks me up. Would you Love say that it. she's a super lady? Super lady, yeah. In fact, it was just the other day. I was like, dude, you got to call me sometime. I need to hear your voice. It was so funny. Like oh, literally, like, so like two weeks ago, I was like Snapchatting. And I was like, oh my god, you have to call me. I need to hear your voice. It's been too long. <laughs> but I'm Excellent. a caller. Yeah, yeah, you are. You're a call girl. See, <laughs> I'll take it. Um, so let's talk about the dude. Uh, so the dude is one of the great iconic film characters that is adored by most most people i haven't really heard anybody say that they don't like the dude the cohen's took inspiration for the dude partly by real life political activist and producer jeff dowd the dude's laid-back attitude matched with his stoner fashion style like his jellies and his cardigan they are classic do you or have you ever known anyone like the dude what about someone like walter uh so i've never met a dude but I've definitely met a Walter before and a Walter's kid, and they were two peas in a pod. Um, <laughs> very, very similar. But uh, no, I've, I've sadly I've never met a dude, and um, I think I could benefit from having a dude in my life. Yeah. Uh, I mean, just not that I'm like totally anxious all the time, but I am a bit of a worrier, and just having somebody that's always just sort of mellow, I think, could just sort of check my my anxiety, you know. I think that would be a good person to be around versus a Walter who's just on edge at all times. You know, is this, this is not, this is not, what does he say? Like, this is, 
This isn't numb. This is bowling. There are rules here. I'm <laughs> smoking. This shit. is bowling. This isn't no, this isn't numb. This is bowling. There are rules. Yeah. It's like fuck. Because he changes his tone. He's like, over the line. And then he yeah. speaks real calmly. <laughs> yeah, he escalates so fast. And so uh, I've definitely met uh some Walters in my day. And uh they are they are a tough crowd. But no, never never known a dude. What about you? So I have known some dudes in my life, um, elements of the dude. It's really hard to be exactly like Lebowski, but I've met people who are very, very chill. And I mean, yeah, like weed helped, but they were just chill people. And so when things would happen, they're like, eh, whatever, man, like it's all good. And I'm like, you're not upset with this? Like, nah, just control what you can control. And I think it's such a valuable thing because for the past couple of years, I've used that mantra, control what you can control. And I've really tried to focus on that, but I think it's such an interesting outlook to have on life. And it's, he'll only get, get out of control when he has friends like Walter who, who push him to that point or, you know, (laughs) when it just gets a little crazy. And so for me, like I've known some Walters in my life as well, where pretty much everything they say, you think it's bullshit. They're always someone who has a guy, you know, I can get you a toe by three o'clock this afternoon with polish. It's I've known people and I don't want to say names exactly because one, I I don't really remember all of them, but you know, I don't want to, I don't want to call people out, but I do know some people that almost everything you they say, you're kind of like, I feel like I need to fact check this or you take it with a grain of salt sort of thing. If, if that makes any sense. Um, It's, you know, it, it, obviously he's a character. I've never met anybody as intense as him, but I, I've definitely seen elements in, in some of my friends from that. So. Very interesting, but uh, great character choices and two of the the most classic ever. I mean, I just John Goodman is such a treasure. He's one of my favorites of all time, and he can do it all. He can do dramatic. He can do funny. He can do sad. He is just absolutely phenomenal. So, you know, he really is. And when so when I was a kid, Roseanne was the number one show on television. And my mom was not a fan of that show. Or John Goodman, for that matter. I don't know why. I I can't speak to why she didn't like John Goodman. But he just kept popping up in all these movies that I really, really enjoyed. (laughs) And I'm like, I don't know know why you don't like this guy. He's fucking funny. And uh, there was this one time on like Saturday Night Live. I think he played. It was like Celebrity Jeopardy. And he was like Marlon Brando or some shit. And he was so funny. And I'm just (laughs) like, oh, my God. I fucking love this guy. So, I mean, Walter, Walter sold it for me 100%. And then um you know just seeing him just as an adult and just appear in multiple movies but like 10 cloverfield lane that's like one of his i mean aside from like uh uh big lebowski i think 10 cloverfield lane is like one of his best performances ever totally. i'm 100 invested in him i'm scared of him i'm concerned for him i he just went across all my emotions inside of 90 minutes and i don't even know how that was possible but he he did, and that that movie just spoke volumes to me. And I know we did it on this show, and I think that he is just one hundred percent the standout in that movie. And he was so incredible, and I can't say enough good things about him. I mean, he just has this screen presence. Like we were talking about Inside Lewin Davis before this, and you said you'd never seen it. He doesn't have a huge role in that, but he just he's captivating on screen. Uh, it's you, you he he commands your 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 viewership, right? Like you need to watch it. And I agree with you. He is utterly creepy, yet you kind of feel bad for him in 10 Cloverfield Lane. And then it kind of switches. You're like, wait, should I be scared of him? Or, you know, is he is he an okay guy? Because he's telling the truth. 
it gets it gets really gnarly. And that was such an awesome role for him. And I, I, I would pay top dollar to see him do stuff like that more and more. Right. But uh, yes, I agree, man. So the Coens are obviously amazing filmmakers, uh, writing and directing some of our personal favorites like Fargo, Intolerable Cruelty, No Country for Old Men and True Grit, to name a few. However, do you think they ever saw this film, The Big Lebowski, being arguably their biggest ever? How do you prepare or deal with that? Have you, Justin Kavner, personally personally ever experienced something you've been a part of that has become immensely famous? Oh, I don't know, man. So, it's the Big Lebowski is interesting because uh, Fargo and No Country for Old Men are the one that get they're the two that get all the awards, right? And that yeah. everyone loves more than anything, uh, like critic wise. You know, they're critically acclaimed, I would say. But then it's the fans and the audience <laughs> really like Big Lebowski, and it's taken twenty years. But I mean, there's a it has a million fans. If it was one of those things where you know what we went up with the box office numbers earlier and it made five bucks and it's like <laughs> your, how is your that five possible bucks. <laughs> yeah it's i thought it was gonna be 450 but it ended up being five dollars <laughs> it's been five and, every week how, how do you not know this justin <laughs> so I, I do think it's crazy like you know we talk about cult classics all the time and how movies just get a following but i i really feel like it's almost impossible to just quantify the amount of human beings that genuinely love this movie it's and that, that people have heard of it. You know, when it first came out, everyone's like, the fuck's The Big Lebowski? I don't even know what the hell this is. But then <laughs> over time, it really grew into this like cultural phenomenon uh, to where there's religions around like Dudism or whatever the fuck. And so uh, that's pretty crazy to think of. Um, I mean, maybe when it came out, they were like, well, shit, that was a miss. We'll get them next time. You know, and then, of course, now if you were to have that conversation with them, they'd be like, fuck, man, I don't, I don't know. It's crazy. It just kind of took a life of its own. But um, you know, me personally, I don't know if I've ever experienced anything that were, that I became a part of that became like, you know, famous. I'm, I am a small fish in this big old pond, but, um, I, I got nothing for you. Sadly. You're on, I mean, you're on YouTube, man. You got a successful, you got three successful podcasts. You are just a celebrity. I feel like I should be getting your autograph every time I see you. You are, <laughs> no. you are beloved I mean, I, by all and it's great. No, no but hyperbole. Like, like, like uh at work it's really cool um you know we've we've really established a community with uh our our live streams every friday and our hangouts uh it's a lot of fun i see a lot of the same people attending them and that that's really cool to be able to to speak directly to people which we try and be as transparent as possible of course there are you know whatever trade secrets and things that we just can't share but uh it is nice and comforting knowing that people can can go to us every Friday, ask us questions, and we'll and we'll be there to answer. Yeah. Uh, and it's really taken on a life of its own. And that's something that I've been a part of from the ground up, which is really really cool. Um, and I hope it just continues to keep growing. Um, so maybe on our two hundredth episode, I'll have a better answer for you, Justin. You have your own GIF. I mean, or GIF, however you want to call it. I call it GIF. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I don't know what it's called. I I, I call it something different every time. <laughs> I, I flip back and forth. Yeah. Well, you have your GIF GIF. You have your own, man. I don't have shit. I don't even have a pair of socks, Justin. And you have your you own can, GIF. <laughs> you can make your own GIF with your phone. It'll just me do me like smiling and then let's wave yeah. and that'll be it. Smiling <laughs> than not smiling. You it's can a smile catch. and not smile all day. It's a catch all. <laughs> so, there you go. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I mean, so like, no, I don't think anybody, anybody can ever really predict how 
popular something will get. And and the Coens could easily, you know, in hindsight say, well, yeah, you know, we had a plan for forever. We knew it would catch fire. And it's like, come on, man, you, 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 you can't predict the future. So, I mean, this movie might be the biggest cult classic of all time. It has a fucking religion based off of it. It has two religions based off of it. And I think about nothing, nothing, (laughs) except they care about the money. Well, we take whatever you have on you. I have four bucks. (laughs) Four dollars, almost five. Oh, fuck. Um, So, you know, I think it's it's so interesting with this film. And and, and I think, again, the Coens are some of my favorite filmmakers of all time. David Fincher, the Coens. I mean, shit, Spielberg too. Paul Thomas Anderson. I love them all. And I think that you know, with their track record, they have to look at some films and be like, okay, this might be a dud, but I think it'll probably catch fire later on. So they, they probably knew it was going to be popular ish. Um, but in terms of dealing with it, they, I feel like they're really humble. I don't ever hear about them in the news blowing up or doing anything crazy. Excuse me. I don't want to meet them because, you know, like our conversation, never meet your heroes sort of thing. I don't want them to be dicks if I meet them, but, uh, I just want the, the like, how many movies have you written and directed Zach? Yeah, like zero. Oh, zero. Yeah, I know. <laughs> They're like, who is this fucking guy? Where's our where's our coffee? And I'll just go back like, to I Brainerd. Got you. Yeah, I know. Oh, <laughs> 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 yeah. uh, they're doing more than drinking milkshakes at that McDonald's. But um, yeah, I it's, can assure you. <laughs> I can assure you. We're not, <laughs> we're not gonna loan you seventy hundred. What does he say? Seventy five thousand dollars, Jerry. Seven hundred fifty thousand dollars, Jerry. We're not yeah. a bank. We're not a bank, Jerry. We're not a bank, Jerry. But. uh yeah. So anyhow, I just think that no one really knows how it can blow up. The closest I've ever gotten to quote unquote stardom was when I dressed up as Eggsy for Halloween and posted it on Reddit and Twitter. I got hit up by Unilad, which is like the image newspaper uh, company based out of um, the UK. And they they copyrighted my picture or whatever and gave me rights to it. And they said, you know, we'll give you money if it's ever used in like an article or whatever. They did an actual article on me. Like I was in it with some other people. So that was kind of cool, but that was about as famous as I got. So, and then there's that one time in college that I made the porn, but uh, we don't talk about yeah. that. So yeah. <laughs> he fixes the cable. <laughs> uh, yeah. And anyways, um, you know, one thing that I love to do when I rewatch films and, and you know this, uh, when I rewatch films that I've seen multiple times is I try to pay attention to something new. On this viewing, I noticed an interesting, subtle theme that I'd kind of like to investigate more. It could be nothing, but it could be something. Throughout the movie, we are presented with deliberate references to Asian culture or artifacts. For example, Japanese cook. there's a Japanese cooking book on the dude's table, the dude's Japanese baseball shirt, the countless references to Vietnam, the explanation of the proper nomenclature of Asian Americans, the non-PC named Oriental rug, and pacifism. What do you kind of think this all means, if anything? I have no idea, dude. <laughs> exactly. I was, I was, I, as you started talking, I'm like, fuck, I have no idea what he's talking about. <laughs> Did you happen to see any of that stuff, though, at all? I No, I didn't notice any of that stuff. In fact, I didn't even notice that the rug was uh, an... It was an wait, oriental, oriental rug, which, you know, obviously, that's not a PC term anymore. So that's why I was like, it is non-PC, but... Uh, right, right, right. Yeah. A lot yeah, of racist, I always think of like Turkish like, rugs. I didn't even realize it was like an, an Asian rug. Yeah, a lot of, you know, a lot of racist people used to call them oriental rugs or, you know, they're from the Orient. I'm like, eh, that's not that's not appropriate. So right. it's uh, pretty bad. But I mean, 
again, with, with how meticulous the Coens are, it's, it's deliberate. And the thing is, Justin, I searched all over the Google machine and I could not find anything about this. So I think, you know, we on the Don't Be Crazy podcast may have, uh, may have a breakthrough here. We, uh, you. You know? <laughs> I had no idea. I didn't notice any of that shit. Yeah, the only thing I can really think of is maybe um, it kind of all links to pacism, pacifism, uh, which is what the dude, you know, he preaches. He says he's a pacifist. A lot of um, Buddhist cultures, they they study pacifism or they they believe in pacifism, and so maybe that just goes in with everything that he does. It also could just be one of those fun, happy accidents. I really don't think it is, but I, I don't know if I can derive a meaning from it, and maybe that's on purpose because. We'll talk about it in a little bit, but this movie is a, it's hard to really break down. It's one of those ones that I feel like if you keep overanalyzing it, you're going to be in trouble. So, um, but yeah, I just thought that that was a fun thing. And, you know, I, I noticed it, it was glaringly obvious this view viewing. And I just thought I would like to talk about it, but yeah, I was, I wasn't expecting you to be like, oh my God, Zach, I saw it too. So <laughs> yeah, no, I'm sorry. I, in fact, no, I, don't okay. even think I, I don't even notice his, I never even noticed his shirt. Was yeah, when he, when he when he uh, meets with Lebowski the second time, he wears this really cool baseball shirt and it has Japanese scripture on it. And then it has a Japanese baseball player on it. And it's one of those ringer tees, you know, like the shorts, the three quarter sleeve baseball shirts. Right. right. But um, it's very interesting. So I didn't really I don't really know. But um, and I swear to God, I had no idea. Yeah. Same with his table. I just remember a bunch of shit on his table, like when the cops are sitting uh, are we talking about his dining table or his like coffee table? His his coffee table. Yeah, like when the cops are sitting on the chair or on the yeah. sofa and the phone's ringing, and I'm just I'm staring at the police that are looking at him, looking at the phone, you know, and I'm just yeah. like, oh my god, I never even noticed any of that stuff. I, the only thing, obviously, is just the the countless references to Vietnam. You know, yeah. every single time that that Walter goes on some sort of uh, uh, diatribe about diatribe yeah <laughs> and he's just you know i didn't i didn't do this so my <laughs> buddies can die face, face down, down in the muck, muck. <laughs> yeah so oh my um, god yeah that's the only thing i ever i ever picked up on as you're far in as a world of hurt <laughs> yeah a world of pain oh my yeah. god <laughs> mark that frame in eight and you're entering a world of pain uh yeah well we'll just move on that's okay i'm, so, I'm sorry i, no, I no, really no, please, wish that i noticed please, that no please don't be sorry it was uh it was something that i noticed and i was trying to draw something from it and you know i even tried to write down some answers and i couldn't really find anything i was i was looking and looking and it's it's so fascinating and maybe it'll tie into our later questions but it maybe it's just not supposed to be analyzed maybe it's one of those things like jackie treehorn drawing a dick a guy with a dick on the notepad where we think it's something significant and the Coens are like, dude, it's, it's fucking nothing. It, it, it's a, it's a MacGuffin, right? Uh, right. So I, I always thought that, I mean, they do talk about like, you know, Johnson's and, you know, the big Lebowski's like, you know, what does it Johnson. mean to be, what, you know, what, what does it mean to be a man? Uh, you know, he's, he's in the, someone coming from a wheelchair and we don't know this yet, but he doesn't even have his own money. Uh, but he's just saying, what, what does it mean to be a man? And, uh, you know, Lebowski's like, yeah, that and a pair of testicles. You know, it's <laughs> yeah. it's it's one of those things where, um, it is a uh, there is a a question of masculinity in this movie. I think, right. So yeah, and I agree. I I think that's that's definitely in there. Uh, w- with how excessive Donnie becomes, you know how he's carrying a gun he acts like he knows all the answers but then he's 
still sucking up to his ex-wife where he's still taking her dog and and all these little things and it's kind of like wait what you're kind of contradicting everything that you're saying about being a man right so it's 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 funny and the dude doesn't care either way he just doesn't want his penis cut off which is a very reasonable request but so now if you and i didn't care about runtime for this uh for our 100th episode it would most likely be three hours with the majority of, of us just quoting the damn movie and laughing because we have quoted this movie for as long as I can remember on previous episodes. I personally can't help it. I was trying to hold, you know, I I set basically an embargo on myself when you were talking to try to not interrupt you for certain things because one, it's rude, and two, it would just be dumb. But uh, this movie is utterly hilarious and addictingly memorable. Is this the most quoted movie of all time, in your opinion? Oh, I have no idea. I would think that Star Wars would be more <laughs> more quote. Like just in general, people yeah. are always quoting Star Wars shit. But I feel like Star Wars is like misquoted a bunch though too, where people probably. say Luke, I am your father, and it's like that's that's not accurate. That's not what he says. But Yeah, it is definitely quoted a lot. But I mean uh, I mean I quote it a lot. Like I say eight year olds, dude, pretty regularly. Even He's when a it doesn't apply. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, even when it doesn't apply. Uh I <laughs> <laughs> me and Liam, we're gonna fuck you up. <laughs> yeah, it's. I don't know why I say that all the time, but I do. It makes me laugh. It's like a, it's like a, I told you so kind of thing. Eight year olds, eight year olds, dude. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely quote it a lot, but I mean, I quote Fargo a thousand times more than I do Big Lebowski. Really? Yeah. Fascinating. I guess. I guess that kind of makes sense. I think the more I think about it now, yeah, I, I've heard more Fargo lines from you than than I have heard Big Lebowski. But I just maybe because it was so uh, predominant in in the past few like months that I've heard a lot of Big Lebowski lines from you. Like we're like, yeah. hate the fucking Eagles. Man. I, I do, but I, that only came up because you mentioned like Glenn yeah. Frey or something. Yeah. Remember, but, um, <laughs> yeah. So I, I try to be quick with with movie quotes that you will get. Uh, I'm always surprised when you miss one too. I mean, you got me today with a uh, with with uh yeah this guy walks i totally forgot about that totally this guy walks <laughs> Fucking i've breaker. never been so sure of anything in my life this guy yeah. walks <laughs> <laughs> he just flops to the ground that's fucking great <laughs> oh jeez. but yeah no man i i honestly i i quote fargo way more th- uh than big lebowski uh, no, i used to say i'm the, the walrus a lot my mom bought me this plush walrus because she thought that i thought that i was the walrus and uh, I thought that was so funny. I, I literally say, I'm the walrus. <laughs> so, <laughs> Shut Donnie the just fuck up, Donnie. It. Yeah, V Island, Vladimir Ilyjalinov. Oh, man. And I, love how, I love how, how Lebowski doesn't even finish the quote. He's like, it's like Lennon said, you know, look for the one, the person who benefits, and uh, <laughs> it just kind of stops. <laughs> oh, my God, it's so funny. They're, you know, oh. their their conversations are so interesting and it's, they're like purposefully chaotic and ambiguous because Donnie is always this background character who he's not flowing with the conversation. It's like Walter and the dude having a conversation and then Donnie chimes in something like, how'd the drop go? Or you know, <laughs> yeah. so, something like that. Or I'm the walrus. What's your and, name, dude? <laughs> yeah, it's so good. And he's sitting back drinking his orange slice soda. And I, I think it's such an awesome role for Steve Buscemi. Um, obviously the Coens love him to death and it's, it's really interesting when they, when they have that. Cause I mean, just in any type of conversation that they may all have together, you could pull any of those and start quoting them. 
they're so great. And dude, please, not the pro- not the proper nomenclature. Asian Americans. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I say oh. I say shit like that all the time. You like one of yours. You say you go a lot of ins, a lot of outs, a lot of what have you. Yeah, I say so, that a lot. You do. Um, you know, and every time it's funny, I watch a movie that I hear a quote. I'm like, oh, he said it. That's the line. <laughs> so. Yeah, that's definitely one that I say a lot. A lot of ins, a lot of outs. And this is a very complicated case, mod. <laughs> I, I love that shit. And, uh, you know, one of the, um, the one that I like to say, but it's so rude, is uh, when they're in the, when they're watching the one man play with the landlord, uh, they're talking about in and out. And Donnie goes, those are some good burgers, Walter. And then Walter's like, shut the fuck up, Donnie. Like, it's so loud, so hostile, and so fast. I find he like, even puts his head down after he says it. Like, oh, shit, I said that too loud. That is that is my favorite shut the fuck up, Donnie moment. Like, shut the fuck up, Donnie. He's just so irritable, you know. Oh, I love that. I just love that he shows up to the performance in a suit. I mean, I know why, why he's wearing it. They go to the thing next. But it's just so funny that, you know, it's there's like six people in the audience and Walter shows up in his suit. It's so fucking awesome. <laughs> so hey, when, he, when he's telling the story, yeah, he's in some plain clothes. And Larry, that man is here. I like yeah. that. Scene. <laughs> the man is here. <laughs> and when I do see a police officer, I go, this man is the police. I say that a lot too. <laughs> yeah, usually just to myself, but it's, I laugh. But like, uh, even when, um, when he's telling the story of, of Jesus going door to door and Donnie, it's, it's already doing the, the flashback and it's a voiceover and you hear donnie say what's a petter ass walter and walter's like shut the fuck up donnie <laughs> like he just like calmly says it i like how there are degrees uh, of him being upset at donnie it's so funny oh man so um like if a you child did... that wanders in the middle of a movie <laughs> if you did have to pick one quote from this film what do you think your favorite movie quote would be and you can pick one from like walter and one from from the dude if you want or you can just pick one overall uh i have two i'm sorry yeah that's I, if fine. i have if, if i have to pick then it would be i hate the fucking eagles because uh, that even makes my mom laugh anytime the eagles thing comes Shut on the, the radio fuck up. get out of my cab <laughs> <laughs> yeah she'll send me like a picture or if they're like uh, like when they were on still touring and doing concerts and stuff she would yeah. she would send me like uh hey you're you're because i always say he's your buddy and that's like my thing <laughs> yeah he's your buddy um she she'll send me like a, a clipping of like their their concert or something like tickets are available and she's like hey your buddies are performing or something like that because <laughs> she knows i hate the fucking eagles yeah uh, so there's that and then just eight-year-olds dude eight-year-olds, that gets me dude. every fucking time <laughs> You have said that a lot. I wish I had a ticker. And I wish I could remember all the times that you said it. 37.3 times. But yeah. <laughs> Rand, Randy and I say a weird one too. We'll both go, mm, Ron Kuby. <laughs> Just like out of nowhere. <laughs> Even when it doesn't apply. Like when we can't think of something. Ron Kuby. <laughs> so stupid. Do you, um, oh, here, I'll, I'll, I'll give you mine. So, um, where is it? So I really love Smokey. This is not Nom. This is bowling. There are rules. <laughs> like, yeah, because he, he goes over the line, you know, and just so angry. And then I love when he gets calm and tied into that, too. And he's like, calmer than you are. <laughs> calmer than yeah. you are, dude. <laughs> um, and I'm then staying. The, I'm finishing. I'm finishing my coffee. The other one I like is when the dude says, Walter, yeah, that's just like your opinion, man. I say that one a lot. Whenever someone says something, I'm just like, yeah, that's just like your opinion, man. And it, yeah. it's a it's a catch all for everything. 
I like it when he's like, am I wrong? He's like, no. Am I wrong? Yeah, but. <laughs> he, just keeps, he just keeps changing his answer. So yeah. You're not wrong. You, you're an asshole. <laughs> David will say that too. He'll be like, are we going to split hairs here? <laughs> so according to ScreenRant.com, which we love because they do the the uh, super easy, barely an inconvenience. They do yes. those videos. But uh, they are fantastic. Anyways, uh, their top 15 greatest Big Lebowski quotes of all time are strikes and gutters, ups and downs. I don't remember that one really much. Um, Careful, man. There's a beverage here when he's getting dragged into the the limousine. That one's good. I got a rash. (laughs) (laughs) I got a rash, man. (laughs) So funny. I know. This is actually one of my this is one of my favorite ones. Uh, obviously you're not a golfer as he has the yeah. bowling ball. <laughs> what yeah. the fuck is this? <laughs> yeah, what the fuck is this? He's like, obviously you're not a golfer. <laughs> and then uh when when the, the the dude meets the big Lebowski, he says, you know, I'm the dude, so that's what you call me. That or uh his dudeness or uh duder or El Duderino, if you're not into the whole brevity thing. <laughs> um and then you know it really tied the room together. They that's a callback, they say that a lot throughout the movie. Right. You know, this aggression will not stand, man. Another callback. Uh, you brought the fucking Pomeranian bowling. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, what do you mean brought a bowling? I'm yeah. Like, he's like, I didn't really choose. He's not taking your fucking turn, dude. <laughs> he's not having beers. He's not taking your turn, dude. <laughs> um, hey, nice marmot. <laughs> they come with a little ferret. Oh, man. When he just like picks it up and just is looking at him like total dead eye and just drops the drops the marmot into the... Yeah, the tub. That's so fucking funny, man. Peter Stormeyer is that his name? Peter Stormeyer. Yeah, he is so fucking funny, man. The Russian space station. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Russian components, American components, all made in Taiwan. You know, two can play at that game. See how you like it. <laughs> yeah, it's not, total not silence. Talking. Total silence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's funny. And then yeah, number seven is yeah. Well, that's just like your opinion, man. Number six is Walter the. I can't remember this part. It says expletive who peed on my rug. I can't give him a bill. So what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's when they're talking about the issue. Like uh, nah. that's at the beginning. Time yeah. is not the issue here. Yeah. Jeffrey Lebowski, go. the real Lebowski, the millionaire. Yeah. He's like, that's fucking interesting, man. <laughs> There's a very complicated, this is a very complicated case mod. You know, a lot of ins, a lot of outs, a lot of what have yous. That's number five. Number four Good. is, Oh, the usual, you know, I bowl, drive around, the occasional acid flashback. (laughs) Um, And then three is you human paraquat. Um, That one's really good. Then number two is um, I am not Mr. Lebowski. You're Mr. Lebowski. I'm the dude. And then number one is when they're at the coffee shop, he's like, the rug peers did not do this, which I don't agree that that's the the best line. But uh, okay, I dig it. That was in the coffee shop. So I agree, man. You know, very, very quotable film. So rounding it out to number eight, uh, the Coens are not strangers at using religion as thematic elements in their films. There's a ton of religion or religious based aspects in Fargo um, and a whole bunch of other movies they do. So including the Big Lebowski, you know, hell, the cult following of this film has spawned countless dudism religions and members. What do you think this movie says about religion, if anything? And then uh, think on this quote really quick from the end of the movie. The stranger, he says, it was a pretty good story, don't you think? It made me laugh to beat the band. Parts, anyway. I don't like seeing Donnie go, but then I happen to know there's a little Lebowski on the way. I guess that's the way the whole darned uh, human comedy keeps perpetuating itself down through the generations. Westward the wagons, across the sands of time, until we... Ah, look at me. I'm rambling again. 
What do you kind of think this movie says about religion? Ooh, um, that's a tough one. Well, I mean, I think Jeffrey Lebowski, or the dude rather, has a Jesus vibe about him. He definitely <laughs> <much> does. <laughs> with the robe and the beard and the hair and the sandals. Um, you know, he's there for his friends. Um, he he is the the victim, whether he wants to be or not. Um, you know, some bad things are always happening to him. Um, but I don't know. I, I think that's a that's a good question because I mean, talking about the pacifism, uh, that's one thing as well. Uh, you know, just being being good to your your fellow man. Um, but I I didn't pick up on it. I mean, I'm I'm a I'm a simple creature. You know, how thick can you get, right? I'm I'm fucking the kids in Harry Potter. <laughs> what are their names? Uh, Goon Crab Goyle. and Goyle. Yeah, I'm a Crab and Goyle had a baby. I'm the baby. I'm I'm pretty thick. I I I didn't pick up on any uh, religious um, undertones uh, for this movie whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, so I think you know the Jesus was was definitely on the nose about something like it's not Jesus, it's the Jesus. You know, you don't fuck with the Jesus, and I think that was funny that he's the Jesus and it's the dude, you know, where they're, they're very contradicting characters and where Jesus is a savior in this movie, the Coens are like, now nah, he's a pedophile in our film, you know, eight year olds. Right. I think that is, is very satirical. And I think it's pretty on the nose. Um, Walter is constantly talking about Judaism um, where he's really this kind of, you know, Catholic, but the dude is like, dude, after, you know, you converted, but you got divorced five years ago. He's like, you don't stop being a Jew. But yeah, you just stop being Jewish. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that that's one thing. He's tied. But I, I feel like he's only still Jewish because of um, his ex-wife. You know, some, huh? His ex-wife. Yeah. Um, you know, he's, I was trying to remember her name, Cynthia. You yeah. Know, I, I think that as someone that is still stuck in Vietnam, it is quite plausible that he is still <laughs> stuck on his marriage. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he, he wants to be there for her to the point where where he is babysitting the dog, you know, for while, while Cynthia and, and Marty Ackerman or whatever the hell's name is, go off to Hawaii or Florida. I don't remember where they yeah. went, but, um, <laughs> you know, he is, he is living in the past 100%. So, um, whether, whether he wants to continue being Jewish, I know that he converted and, you know, when you do that, it's, it's a pretty big commitment and everything, but he is definitely a man that is, it is stuck uh, in his, in his own time. Right. And, and so along the same lines, I think this movie, the way it it handles religion too, is it's kind of this, this narrative on it where they're basically saying, you know, there's a lot of deception in this film where we look at one thing, but, um, ostensibly it should be, you know, whatever, right. Ostensibly it's, 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 uh, bunnies actually kidnapped or the big Lebowski is actually a millionaire. Who's a real philanthropist and Walter's actually a devout Jewish person. But in reality, Walter is a type of person who reminds people so much. He'll yell Shomer Shabbos and, and not necessarily practice the Jewish faith in, in, in with the best of intent. And then you find out the Big Lebowski is actually a fraud. You find out Bunny was a fraud as well. So I think those are all kind of microcosms are all linked to it. But in religion, like I look at Christianity and things, and I'm sorry if there are you know hardcore devout Christians out there, but this is just my opinion. I look at certain religions, it's and sometimes just like your opinion, my opinion man. man. So <laughs> shut the fuck up, Justin. <laughs> 
So I think in religion, you know, sometimes people are really acting sincere because of what their selected religion is. And, and I'll, I'll speak from a dating sense. I know some girls are, you know, I'm a Christian girl. I don't do that. And then in high school, you know, you see them getting hammered and making out with guys and all this stuff. And they're like, oh, I'm a devout Mormon. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? You can't sit there and say one thing and then do the other thing. That's not how it works, right? So I think that we see a lot of that in this film and, and Walter's the best example, an extreme example, but you know, he's, he's that type of guy that it's like, what are you talking about? Like you're this devout Jewish person, but really I don't, I, I think it's all just kind of fake or it's ostentatious. And, um, I, I yeah, that's, that's just how I interpret it at least. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in terms of that quote, the, that very ending quote, I really, really enjoyed that a lot. We see that symbolized through the tumbleweed. So the tumbleweed has no real rhyme or reason. It just keeps going and going and going despite what happens around it. And that's kind of how the dude is. And I think that's why a religion popped up from from this film, Dudism and the Church of Latter-day Dude, because it actually is a brilliant way to live your life where he's just going through the motions, man, and all he wants to do is just bowl. Like, fuck it, let's go bowling. After each tragic event they have, where when Donnie dies, after they lose the money, and, you know, let's let's slow down to 15 MPH, and I'll roll out and double back and beat, beat a confession out of one of them. Um, he's like, fuck it, dude, let's go bowling. So I think if you look at that and realize, you know, control what you can control and continue on and don't worry about the existential factors, then I think that it it will be okay. And so it totally makes sense why a religion can be can be can grow out of this. But I mean, that's the divine comedy. That's that's why life is so funny. And, uh, you know, it's it keeps perpetuating itself down through the generations. Um, the dude is right back where he started from. He has no money, no twenty thousand dollars, no million dollars. Um, he just wanted to get this job done, get an easy, cool twenty thousand. But he had friends around him that fucked it up. And guess what? They're right back to the beginning again, minus Donnie, which was sad. But uh, I think I, I think it was beautiful in that sense. So. But yeah, hopefully you agree with that. Yeah, <laughs> cool. Um, so and then finally, for as beloved as this film is, here are the million dollar questions that I alluded to earlier, and these need to be answered by us. What is this movie even about, Justin? Furthermore, what is the meaning of the ending and what should we take from it, if anything? Oh, um, gosh. So I don't know if this movie is this for me. This movie is just a like a, a character piece, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, just a, a day in the life of, of the dude, I suppose you could say. I, I honestly don't think it is uh, about much other than, you know, what's. What's important to you? Um, I think the dude is is a minimalist. You know, he doesn't have much. He listens to fucking bowling tapes, for crying out loud. <laughs> yeah. um, so for me, it's just like, what's important to you? You have your family. You have your friends. Maybe it's both uh, or one or the other, rather. Um, and just to, to, to take care of each other. Look after, be there for one another. Um, and then just to to just treat everyone, you know, well and with respect. That's that could be a good person. Ultimately, is what I feel like this movie is about. And that's what it is for me. Uh, and then like the ending, like with with Donnie dying and them and them having just going back to, to bowling, back to business as usual kind of thing. It's life goes on. You know, we're not going to forget them. Uh, you know, people are, are all around us as long as we you know remember them. Um, but life does go on. 
Uh, same in the very way that Maude is now pregnant and there's a baby Lebowski on the way. Um, that's what it is for me. Yeah, absolutely. I think you nailed it. I think that's, and the biggest thing about this movie is it can be interpreted in, in whatever way. But I think that that is what I always take away from it is life goes on. Um, there doesn't have to be a rhyme or reason to certain things. And, you know, the dude sure as shit doesn't care. When Maude is like, oh, I just wanted you for um, conception, right? He's like, what? She's like, I don't need you to be in the life. I just wanted a baby sort of thing. Um, it's interesting. He doesn't that in any other type of movie, right? Any serious movie that would have caused a huge issue, but he's just like far out, man. So yeah, I think, I think it's definitely, uh, it's definitely meant to be like that. And, but what we were talking about earlier too, is I think that for this type of movie, you can't look into it too much because when you start doing it, like me looking at the, the, um, the Asian oh, elements the Asian in the film. Stuff. Yeah. My brother was know. shot by an Asian gang or something. I'm pretty sure they were pretty Asian. Sure they were Asian. <laughs> they were speaking oh. some other language. I'm pretty sure it was Asian. The Menendez twins. <laughs> so, yeah. It's, you know, I think I was maybe overthinking it, but, um, I think that's what's so brilliant about this is, it's such a chill movie that you can just watch and enjoy. It's not like the shining where each time I watch it, I'm like, what the fuck is going on? And, you know, Steve and I were talking about that too, where he's like, you know, I focused this time on native American uh, folklore imagery. And for me, I was like, okay, well I focused on whatever, like was, was Danny sexually abused as a kid. I was trying to look for the hints for that. So I think it, it, it it's so great. And that's what I love about film is we can derive any meaning from it. But at certain points, you just have to look at the art and be like, I just really enjoy this. And uh, yeah, I think you're, you're spot on with 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 what the meaning is, because I think in a world of uncertainty and and when the elements are out of your control, just sometimes you just got to abide, bro. You got to abide and um, say, fuck it. Let's go bowling. So yeah, fuck it, dude. Let's go bowling. Fuck it, dude. Let's go bowling. But Let's insert our fingers into dirty holes and then yeah. eat nachos or cheese puffs, whatever. <laughs> Cheesy poops. Oh, God, dude. Yeah. <laughs> whatever we had, you had. <laughs> we had a uh, crunchy or not crunchy, um, uh, puffy Cheetos. Canine crunchies. We love canine crunchies. Uh, yeah. You know, that was, I, I remember that movie, 101 Dalmatians. Mm. But um, anyways, man, final thoughts or letter grade for, uh, or and letter grade for The Big Lebowski. Sure. I uh, love this movie. I think it's fantastic. It is uh, a staple in the Cavender household. Uh, I've seen it a billion trillion times. Uh, interestingly enough, I don't own it on digital and I don't have it on Blu-ray, but I still had it on DVD. Ugh. And uh, I know. It was I'm crazy. sorry. <laughs> I know. I was like, fuck, is this movie streaming anywhere? And you're like, no. You're like, but I own it. I'm like, well, it fuck. was it was streaming for the longest time, but, you know, just like our luck, it, it it's not streaming anymore yeah buzzkill so i had to whip out the old dvd and uh, it was interesting because it's like you split do you want to watch it on full screen or do you want to watch it on <laughs> widescreen i'm like oh my god i forgot that was an option i know right it's so funny <laughs> uh but i mean i remember the day i saw it i remember the second time i saw it uh in fact i remember the year that it came so in 1998 uh, this was in springtime, right? Because it was March 6th. There were fucking butterflies everywhere. You couldn't drive your car without driving through like 6,000 butterflies. It was sad. And what's crazy is before that, there were 6,000 caterpillars all on the ground. So you couldn't <laughs> walk on the street without stepping on a caterpillar. It was nuts. It was a crazy summer or spring rather. And I remember that uh, when me and Justin went to go see it the second time, 
his window was cracked a little bit on his truck and a, and a poor butterfly hit the seal of the window and splattered all over his shirt. God, <laughs> I know it was terrible. I was like, Whoa, what happened? And he looks down and there's like a butterfly kind of flapping its wings and it was all destroyed and on his shirt. It was gross. She felt bad. Yeah. Well, I'll never forget that. That was crazy. And I was going to see big Lebowski. Um, but I, I, I do enjoy it quite a bit. Uh, I don't know. I feel weird saying this, but I still think that Fargo is my favorite Coen Brothers film. Right. Um, I know that uh, people might be upset by that, but uh, I'll chalk it up to Fargo came out first. I don't think there's anything wrong with saying that that's your favorite uh, Coen Brothers film. It's, I mean, it's my favorite Coen Brothers film as well. Uh, and, <laughs> so that's and, why it's not wrong with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and and then No Country for Old Men. But I mean, The Big Lebowski is just, and it all chalked up for me for a timing thing. You know, I saw Fargo before and I was incredibly enamored with it. Um, and then I saw The Big Lebowski and I I, I liked it, but it, it, it had a grow on me. Fargo I've loved since the beginning. I just thought it was so good. And then same thing with No Country for Old Men too. I thought that that was just a brilliant film. But yeah, uh, I'm sorry. What was your letter grade? Did you give that? For the, no, I didn't. Uh, oh, I would give this movie an A plus. Absolutely love it. Hell yeah, me too. Absolutely. Um, I own it on special edition Blu-ray. Uh, it's dumb because it comes with a digital copy, but it's an SD, and I'm not watching those standard definition. I am above <laughs> that. Yeah, exceptional definition. There you go. ED erectile dysfunction. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, I have. I remember picking up a VHS copy of Fargo because uh, this was 96 when that movie came out. So uh, I remember I went to a Borders bookstore. And <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> I know. Can you believe it? And they were still in business. And they had this uh, like collector's edition of Fargo and it came with a snow globe. And it was uh, in the snow globe, excuse me, was uh, the wood chipper. And there was like red snow kind of like it was being splattered all over the place. It was the coolest fucking thing. And I have no idea what happened to it. I never opened it. It was still in the case when I went away to college, but it has since uh, vanished in the ether. But um, I remember buying that. I thought it was so cool. Yeah. <laughs> VHS. Goddamn, man. I had the cable yeah. guy on VHS. I won it from a bunch of Pepsi caps that I had. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he fixes the cable. There you go. Yeah. So before we go, I compiled some stats from all uh, 100, including this one, all 100 of our episodes. And I would like to see if Mr. Justin Kavanagh can correctly guess the tops for each of my categories. And we, we briefly discussed this over dinner. It was a romantic dinner. You kept feeding me uh, beans into my mouth. It was great. <laughs> I don't think so. that's accurate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to add one or two more margaritas than need be. But um all right, are you ready? So I broke down all of our films into genre. Now, I'll caveat all of this stuff. Um, it's kind of for some of the genres, you know, they're like hybrid films that could be a horror film, could be a thriller, could be a drama, whatever. I went with the most likely category, but uh, it didn't make a super big difference for some of them because they weren't that close. But what do you think the most reviewed genre of film is that we had? I would say horror only because we've had two Halloween since doing this podcast and we did multiple. All they were were horror movies. So I would say horror would have to be the most reviewed genre. You know, that's a really good guess. But uh, no drama. We have done 29 dramatic films. Oh, my gosh. Mm -hmm. Lame. So number two I is actually. <laughs> yeah, right. Buster, you, you picked a lot of them. So Dude, that's like 30 percent of these movies. I fucking hate drama. Dude, you picked a vanilla, you picked vanilla sky. Vanilla sky is your I favorite. I never would have picked that movie. <laughs> 
2008 that movie. I had to watch it again. And the whole time I was just like, any minute this movie's going to be over and I never have to watch it again. Oh, you loved it. It's going to be fucking amazing. You loved it. Wow. You, no, I you... thought for sure it was horror with 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 the two Halloweens plus just rando mm-hmm. horror movies that we watch throughout mm-hmm. the year. Huh. So do you want to know number two? Can you take a guess what number two is? I would say horror, but I'm wrong. <laughs> it's it's wrong. Action. 23 action films, which which makes a lot of sense because we do do a lot of action films. But then finally, number three is horror. We've done 15 horror films. Man. Like true horror films. So that's crazy. Yeah. And then I'll just spit the other stats really quick. So four action adventure fantasy films, um, five comedies, three thrillers, two rom-coms, two westerns, seven sci-fis, one animated and five hybrids. So. All right. And that adds up to 100. Um, I took off the Tarantino ones, so it might add up to like 96 or whatever. But I took off the the Tarantinos. So anyhow. Um, <clears throat> okay, so who is the most recurring director that we have uh, focused on for, for for films? I would say Taika Waititi. Ding, ding, ding. You win. Yeah, Taika Waititi. We have done three. Uh, Hunt for the Wilder People, What We Do in the Shadows, and Jojo Rabbit. I did a podcast or a pod snack on Jojo Rabbit. Anyhow, but um, yeah, we got John Carpenter had two, Paul Verhoeven two, Bong Joon-ho two, Ron Howard two, Joel Schumacher two, Martin Scorsese two. Sam Mendes 2, Edgar Wright 2, Robert Rodriguez 2, Cameron Crowe 2, and Steven Soderbergh 2. So, wow. We, yeah. we did do an actual episode for Jojo Rabbit, but I got too emotional and I couldn't talk about the movie. Yeah, no worries. So apologies to everyone who missed out on that episode, the unaired episode. But Oh, we have a yeah. lot of un- unaired, unaired episodes, so it's okay. No, man, it's fine. I did a pod snack on it, so um, I counted it because it is part of our repertoire. Uh, okay, that movie that movie just broke my heart too many yeah. ways. So I no, I I got you, man. I totally understand. So the what about the most recurring actors? Holy shit! Um, I feel like Joaquin Phoenix is in a lot of movies. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's, guy that, that's, that's one of them. Let me give you a hint: one, two, Philip three, Seymour four, Hoffman five, six, seven. There's seven of them. So yeah, so Phoenix and Hoffman. Yeah, you got those. Um, maybe even. Uh, Mary Elizabeth Weinstead has she shown up more than twice? Ooh, that's good. She's twice though. Oh, okay. Um, let's see. Yeah. Uh, what about Bryce Dallas Chastain Howard? She's in a lot of stuff. <laughs> she is in two of our films. Okay. <laughs> Bryce Dallas Chastain. Does, does Taika Waititi count? He's in all of his movies. So I didn't. I didn't include him just because. Yeah, he's in each one. I feel like that's kind of a cop out. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I put actors who play a bigger role than just, you know, and you know what's behind that door? <laughs> a <Yeah>. veggie door? <laughs> so, <laughs> Jesus. Jesus. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, Kurt Russell, maybe? Done him two or three Ooh, times. That's a good guess, too, but he's two. He's only two. Oh, okay. Uh, no, I'm, I'm out. Okay. Ed Harris. He was in three. We did The Rock. We did uh, Glengarry Glenn Ross. And, um, oh, gosh. The other one I can't remember now, but uh, I wrote, definitely wrote it down. So Ed Harris was in there. Uh, John Turturro. So you got this one. We did quiz show and then uh, fuck, there was another one. I probably should have written these down. But anyways, so he was in three. John Goodman. <laughs> oh, he was, was in, in uh, he was in the card movie. Yes. Rounders. Rounders. There you go. Yes. Yeah. There you Kanish. go. Kanish. Yeah. He loans him the money. Ed Harris is going to drive me crazy if I can't think of it. But uh, anyways, I'll think of it later. Um, 
so uh, John Goodman, he was in three. He was in Raising Arizona. He was in uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane, and he was in this. Um, Mahershala Ali, he was in Moonlight. He was in Hidden Figures, and he was in... Um, Blade. Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> well, he will be Blade. No, I can't remember. But anyways, he is in there. And then Julianne Moore was the other one. Uh, she was in this movie, Children of Men, and Boogie Nights. Yeah. Remember? And then Philip Seymour Hoffman, yeah, you're, you're correct. He was in Boogie Nights, he was in this movie, and then he was in Almost Famous and played all significant roles. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix, you're right as well. Yeah, Joker, he was in... Um, Village, I think we did that Village, movie. yep. We did Her. And Her, yes. Those were the ones that he was in. What about, what do you think was our longest episode uh, for runtime? And we're not counting the Tarantino ones. Uh, we aren't counting the Tarantino. And actually, those were broken up into two. So those are only an hour each. I would say probably The Shining because we had a guest and it takes longer to talk. That's a good guess. That was an hour and 46 minutes. But really, it was The Interstellar. It was our number two because it was oh, two hours and two minutes. Yeah, because that, that movie's 18 hours <laughs> and we had to cram it into three hours <laughs> and edit it into two hours. Yeah, it is a very... We, we were talking for a long time, but that was in our infancy. We didn't really know what we were doing. I mean, I didn't know what I was doing. You did, but uh, I... Yeah, we, we've gotten a lot a lot better since. We probably could have ended that sooner if you just would have acknowledged that the movie sucks and that the ending is terrible, but no. you had to try and convince me no. otherwise. And no. I am expert. That's why they sent me. I'm expert. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's no good. Mm-mm. It's no good. There's nothing for you here. It's no good. Oh. Yeah, this no, hand I is disagree. no good. Oh, man. <laughs> disagree it is uh it is absolutely fantastic so no way is that all the questions uh no um so then what is our shortest episode oh and man there's three probably, of them i'll just give you that probably one that we didn't i know that uh maybe the exorcist might have been pretty quick because we, we hated really it enjoy that movie <laughs> no <laughs> uh, that's funny um uh what we do in the shadows might have been pretty pretty yep. short that's one of them that was four uh, these, these were all 46 minutes it's a three-way tie so what we do in the shadows is one uh i would say maybe uh napoleon dynamite might have been no short. we we oh, talked really? for a lot we were just quoting that movie <laughs> oh man um jaws might have been short mm, no that was like an hour oh because i didn't really know what to talk about it's hard for me to talk about movies that i like mm-hmm. um yeah we're gonna be crazy stupid love podcast no wow let me get one more guess here um fuck i wish it was vanilla sky so i didn't have to waste a lot of breath on that movie (laughs) but it strikes me as one that we probably would have talked about for a lot (laughs) uh wedding singer that's a comedy that one probably would have been short uh no that was not accurate so wow. it was Hot Fuzz, which is also 46 minutes, and wow, Moon. that's crazy. I love that. Mm-hmm. Oh, Moon. That's mm-hmm. right. That's right. Man, fucking, you know, Hot Fuzz is, so FYI, pro tip, it'll probably come out before this, it'll probably be gone before this episode airs, but um, Hot Fuzz is actually leaving HBO Max on the 31st. Oh, fuck, really? <laughs> yeah, so watch it one more time if you don't own it. Oh, dude, I've, I love that movie so much. Yeah. <laughs> Are you a policeman tip. officer? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. And then finally, what do you think is our most downloaded episode? Uh, I would say The Shining. Ooh, good good call. But uh, no, I think that's like our fourth. Actually, The Wedding Singer of all was our, was our most downloaded. Yeah. 
was our most downloaded episode. I yeah. think there was like that's all those 80 lovers out there. 450 ish downloads on that one. So, <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. Are you in Flock of Seagulls? Or do you like Flock of Seagulls? Yeah, no, but I can tell you. Do. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. Julia, Julia. Oh, man. Anytime but, someone um, has an interesting name, I always say Julia Gulia. Yeah. It doesn't apply, but I, I just like to say it to myself. <laughs> Amazing. But uh, yeah, man, anyways, that is the show. I um I am so happy and so thankful to have known you this long and to do this amazing thing with you. Um, it is fun. It's our little cool little club that we have that we get to share with everybody and just talk about it all. So thank you for the first hundred, Justin. It's hardly my first, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, I'd like to burn your candle. Um, yeah, no, it's it's been a blast. I'm I'm glad that I'm doing it. I got stretched pretty thin with multiple podcasts, but this is one that I definitely enjoy. So thank you for having me. Yeah, hell yeah. So on that amazing note, you want me to uh, take us home? Yeah, do it. Cool. Thank you so, so very much for listening to our 100th episode of the Don't Be Crazy podcast. Thank you to all of our listeners and friends who have made these past few years just so memorable. We love you all. Please remember to follow us on Twitter at DVCrazyPod. Uh, you got Edgy Armo there. That's Justin in the high desert. And at ZachDale60 where you can share your thoughts with us and we'll discuss them on our show. You know, please tell us any type of movies you think we should watch. We're always uh, wanting recommendations and we absolutely love the, the discourse that we have on Twitter. Please also be sure to check out the Geek Legacy podcast with David, Randy, and Justin, as well as the Pixelated podcast with Stephen K. James. Just please don't be crazy. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much. But on don't shh.